Welcome to the Living in South Louisiana podcast, episode two. I've got my friend Michael here with me, owner of a company called Hedge Homes, and we're going to be talking about how you can sell a percentage of your home to hedge, and we're going we're gonna to be discussing all about this process. It sounds kind of confusing at first, so bear with us. We're going to explain it thoroughly for you guys so you have a clear understanding. And um, without further ado, Michael, would you like to introduce yourself? And we're sharing a microphone, by the way. Sorry, guys, I forgot the recorder, but we'll just we'll just roll with it. So, Michael, tell us a little bit about yourself, personal and business, if you don't mind. Sure thing. So, uh, first off, Carson, thank you for having me down here. I uh, I really appreciate it, and um, it's it's nice to be down in Louisiana. Um, so, kind of a bit of background about me. My name is Michael Schur. I've um, I've been an entre- kind of a serial entrepreneur for the past seven years or so, and I'm now working on a concept or a business called Hedge Homes. And what we do is we basically connect investors who want to buy pieces of homes with homeowners who are looking for cash or additional means of financing. And so, you know, our goal is to really create a marketplace whereby investors can buy shares in homes and homeowners can sell. Uh, those shares to investors, similar to like the a stock exchange, except for homes. So the way the way I understand it, the way it makes sense to me, is it's making real estate liquid. So meaning, if I'm going to buy a stock, I can buy that stock on Robinhood or whatever app you choose, whatever brokerage platform. I can buy a stock. And then I can sell the stock the same day. I can get my money back whenever I want, essentially. With real estate, not so much. You, you've probably heard of the expression, uh, having your money tied up. If I'm working on a flip or I've got rental property, etc., I've got my net worth. I've got my uh, money tied up into a property, and it's what we call illiquid. So... If my money is illiquid, I can still get it, but I'm going to either have to borrow against the property to get my money. I can do a cash out refinance or I can get a HELOC, a home equity line of credit, and get my uh, money out that way. Or I can sell the property, which can take you know a few months. So what Michael's doing is making real estate liquid. So I can sell my real estate today, tomorrow, etc., and I can pull my money out when I want. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. I mean, essentially what we're trying to create is a system of where your house can be viewed as your ATM. Um, and so you have the ability, you know, and, and I want to kind of explain the basic premise kind of pretty simply, but if, you know, if I was living in a $100,000 house and I wanted to set, and I needed $5,000 to fix my roof, well, the only options would really be currently to take out a loan. Um, but the idea is instead, what we're trying to do is create a scenario where homeowners could actually sell equity instead of having to take out a loan. Um, and that's, that's how they would ultimately pay that off. Um, and then, you know, th- and that's ultimately the creation of the marketplace that I was, that I was kind of describing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what does... How does he? How does this work? How does one sell equity to an investor? What does your company do? Do they have to uh, sign on and you know control part of the deed? How does that work? What percentage um, does Hedge own of the home? Um, talk a little bit about 
how it's done practically. How can I sell you a percentage of my home and what paperwork has to be done? And uh, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, no, will do. Um, so I think the idea is if I buy 5% of your house, you sell it in nine years, uh, the house doubles in value, your, your, the equity you own in that house will have doubled in value, and my 5% will also have doubled in value. And so the idea is we really want to have investors in the same boat as homeowners in terms of the home's appreciation. Um, and that's kind of a, a main key. In terms of sort of the logistics and paperwork for, for what kind of what goes into this, you know, we kind of have two options. Uh, one option is we, we are put on the deed of the house as hedge homes. And the other option is we put a lien on the house and we subordinate that lien to any and all future lenders so it wouldn't be restrictive or inhibitive on anyone's ability to refinance their house. Because um, I know that's, that's a, an important thing for, for many homeowners. Um, and so that's, those are really kind of the, the process of how it works in terms of acquiring the equity in homes. What we then do is we take that 5% chunk, we divide it up into much smaller pieces, and we make it affordable to the average retail investor. So we could take a $5,000 chunk and divide it up into 50 $100 shares, and that's something that someone would far more likely buy than a full $5,000 investment. And that's the basic premise of it, right, is we want to enable anyone in this country to actually invest in homes the same way homeowners have been making money off of for years. You know, we, everyone always talks about, you know, boomers this, boomers that. Well, boomers made their money off homes. <laughs> they made their money off real estate. You know, everyone's got the story of the grandma that, you know, bought their house for two cents once and then sold it for $500,000 40 years later. It's, you know, that appreciation is very much what I think the average retail investor should, get ex should be able to get exposure to. It's part of the mission of our company. Let me ask you this, because I'm sure a lot of the listeners will have heard of REITs, where they can buy um, essentially an, what I would, I would call it an index fund of real estate, the entire housing market almost, sort of, not really. And I've heard that REITs can produce a 5% return annualized. Um, so why, why would I go through hedge instead of buying a REIT? What's the difference and what's the benefit of using hedge over a REIT? And then also I would like to know what the minimum investment is. Do I need $100 or can, is it, can, I, um, can I put in less than that? And can my, my, obviously my money will be backed by real estate, but is the minimum, I heard you say that you could sell um, however many shares at $100 a piece. I would like to know if the $100 is the minimum investment or um, if, I could, uh, if I could invest a little bit more than that. Yeah, so these are great questions. Um, to kind of answer that last question first, so the $100 is, we're still thinking through what the minimum amount of investment is, but we actually are leaning towards the minimum investment price being $10 to make it truly, truly accessible to everybody. So anyone can purchase real estate. Um, you know, that's, that, so that's kind of the main, the main point uh, around that is, you know, we just want to bring the price down as low as possible so real estate can become more accessible. In terms of a, of a REIT, 
So, you know, 95% of real estate investment trusts are, are for commercial real estate. So right there, it's, I mean, I don't know much about commercial real estate, but I do know what a nice house looks like. Um, and that's kind of, I think a lot of people would fall into my camp on that, which is, you know, again, I don't know how to, how to price a commercial office building, but I do know that my neighbor three houses down got a really good deal on their house. Um, and so these are the kinds of insights that I think REITs don't allow investors to actually kind of capitalize on. And on top of that, I think the second component is even for the 5% of REITs that do focus on residential real estate, they're very broadly focused. They're focused on the entire United States. Maybe occasionally you'll get one focused on a region of the United States. But the notion that for $100 or $10, I would be able to invest in you know, Nashville, Tennessee properties, um, that's a really compelling one, I think. And the notion is that we would, if you kind of think of it from having divided up the shares initially, but if you divide the shares even smaller, you can then package them together. So you have a scenario where one $10 purchase can actually represent equity stakes in over 20 different homes. And so it's kind of this amazing way of getting almost instant diversification while at the same time making a far more narrow bet on a particular real estate market with more conviction um, than, than is currently made available. Got it. Makes perfect sense. Now, I want to make something perfectly clear. I would like to know if I am, whether I'm a homeowner or whether I'm an investor, I would like to know what the qualifications are for either investing or selling a percentage of my home to an investor. Do I need solid credit? Do I need, um, I mean, what if I'm behind on my payments? What if I'm, I've missed a couple payments? Um, is there anything that would prevent me from selling equity in my home or being able to? Um, just talk a little bit about qualifications and who this is for, and if there's anyone who this is not for, who it is not for. Great. So I think in terms of qualifications, you know, one of the first things we would, we'd want to look at is, um, you know, we would want to do some sort of a soft credit check. Um, note, though, that unlike a mortgage where your credit check actually then hurts your credit score, this wouldn't. Um, our, the main, main reason we'd want to do this is just to try to get a sense that, you know, we don't want to invest in a home that will then quickly be foreclosed and the investors lose their money. Right? And, and so we, we really want to avoid a situation like that at all costs. And so some sort of a soft credit check is probably a good way to do that. Um, and it's, it's kind of very non-invasive. Aside from that, the, really the only requirements are that there is kind of s sufficient insurance on the property. And sufficient insurance is a term that can vary very much kind of case by case. Um, but also, you know, and then I think on the flip side, in terms of who can we sell these shares to, who's going to be buying shares in homes, we first will be launching it predominantly to accredited investors. And then very soon after, we'll be launching it to all investors. So anyone in the United States that's able to put together, you know, probably 18 and up, that's able to put together $10, will be able to invest in real estate. Um, and I, I think that'll fundamentally change the way in which real estate operates in this country. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's a part of this real movement to have real estate and people's homes to be treated a bit more like companies, right? So the idea is in the future, you know, your house may be financed part through debt, 
part through equity investments and part with your own money. And that's how, that's how startups work. That's how, that's how Facebook got started. And it's a, you know, it's, it's a sort of, I think a really interesting moment in kind of our nation's history we find ourselves in um, where there is this, I think we are on the precipice of a really big transformation of people are thinking about their homes. Wonderful. Now let's get into some um, practical scenarios and practical numbers and we can use simple numbers and we can use, um, you know, simple scenarios. I would like to know, um, what situation would maybe most benefit a homeowner? Maybe like you mentioned, they need to repair some floors or they're working on a new kitchen, whatever it might be. What situation would benefit a homeowner? Um, what situation would benefit an investor? And then I would like to get into some practical numbers. And I mean, this is real estate. You can't really guarantee any certain return, of course, but Real estate always goes up. If we look at the 100-year chart of real estate, it literally just goes up. And there's these little dips. But, I mean, you can even like 2008, if you look at a 60-year chart, 2008 was this. It was up, 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 and then it was a little dip for a couple years, and then up, 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 up. So, like, I, real estate is a good investment. It is one of the safest investments you could ever possibly make. Now, like I said, I would like to know um, maybe averages, if you could present an average return or what people could expect. I just want people to um, have some, some sort of practical expectation um, when working with Hedge, whether it be to sell a portion of their home or to invest in a portion of someone's home. So get into a little bit of the uh, practical numbers and, uh, and scenarios. Sure thing. Yeah. So I'll, I'll start with the homeowners that I think will, will win the game on this, which is a homeowner. So I'm living in a hundred thousand dollar house. I want to make a repair to my house. I want to, I want to make some upgrades. So I sell 5% of the house and I get, I get $5,000 or I get some certain amount. And I then put that money directly into repairs in the home. And next thing I know, my home's worth $110,000. And so I've just used the money that I took out from the home, put it back into the home in the form of repairs, fixes, improvements, and the like. And now I've just lost, I've just gained all of the equity that I would have given up. Those are the people that are really going to win this, are people that, that will want to take money out of their houses, reinvest it into their home, drive the value of the home up, and in turn, drive up their own investment. Um, and so, so that's, I think, a really, really kind of, it's almost one of my favorite use cases, um, just because I think that it's one of these examples where benefits really compound on one another. Um, you know, I think another example could be with down payment assistance. You know, the, for first-time home buyers, the, the national average is, I think, 6%. And, you know, we're willing to have home buyers sell up to 5% of their homes to hedge. And so this provides a situation, you know, this creates a situation where it's, it'll it'll become a lot easier to make a down payment on a home, which is the single biggest obstacle for most homeowners today is just saving up for the down payment. Um, and so that, those, are, those are two things that, that really excite me a lot. Um, and I know there was one more question as well. I, was, I think I might have. Uh, for the other side, for investors. How, yes, for how investors. What can they expect? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So for, for investors, you know, I think, and this is, one way to answer this question, or 
I'll put it this way. The fact that I can't answer this question with a single, with a single number saying all investors will have X return is an asset, not a liability. And the reason why is because we give investors the ability to make far more narrow bets on real estate than they otherwise could. So the ability to invest in one specific city versus having to invest in the entirety of the United States. So, you know, if you had invested, if, if I had owned a thousand properties scattered randomly across the United States, or better yet, if I had a hundred dollars in a thousand properties scattered randomly across the United States, um, you know, I would, I would see what would be, sorry about that. I would see what is the av- U.S. national average appreciation, which is like 3.8% or so. But if I targeted, if I made my investments in a city I thought was going to have really high appreciation, that's where the fun really begins. So Salt Lake City, for example, had a year a few years ago where I think their homes appreciated north of 25%. And so that would have meant a 25% return for investors who owned real estate in Salt Lake, including the investors that own a fraction of the real estate in Salt Lake. And so, you know, the returns will vary nationally. Um, but I think there is an ability to tap into what is these really hot real estate markets where you really can't invest in them because, you, because to invest in them means you also have to currently invest in real estate markets that aren't so hot, and it drags it down. But Hedge is going to change all of that. We're going to let people invest where they want to invest, whether it's a single home, a single city, a single neighborhood. We're going to let people invest in real estate the way in which they are meant to be investing in real estate. I love it. That's awesome. So what I want to ask you now is um, we've gotten through some of my questions I would like to know, I'm sure you you get all kinds of questions because this is a fairly new concept. I would like to know what some of your frequently asked questions are, if you have any on the top of your head, and um, just go through some of those because, you know, people are going to have their questions. It sounds, it's just different. It's something that people aren't used to. People are used to REITs and people are used to saving up for a down payment and buying a house and renting it out with a tenant, etc. People aren't used to this, and it's different, and people are going to have their questions, and people are going to be uneasy about it. So the more that we can, I guess, answer those frequently asked questions, the better. So if you have any on your, on your mind, I would love for you to talk about those. Definitely. I think one question is, well, look, what makes us different from other companies that are doing similar sorts of things in the space? And so... You know, there's one company that will buy equity in your house and let you continue to live there in the same way we would do. It's a company called Point. But Point takes a third of total appreciation of the house and they significantly mark down the value of the home. So it's not very advantageous to the homeowner. It's very difficult to use. Um, On the flip side, you know, there are also companies that will sell shares in homes that they own which is to say they're selling shares, but the money you're paying for those shares, it's not going to the house, right? It's not going to to help finance the house. It's just going because that person is trying to make a profit off of the home they own. It's not connecting an investor to a homeowner. And that's what we do that's different. You know, you could think, think of us less like a bank and more like eBay in the sense that we 
we believe that investors want to invest in homes. We believe homeowners want more cash, want more alternatives to debt-based financing. You, you, you combine the two and you create a marketplace, which is really what we're trying to do. It is, it is a marketplace. Our goal is not, as hedge is not to hold enormous sums of home equity on our balance sheet. It's to get equity on our balance sheet at first and then sell that equity to retail investors. Um, and so by virtue of the fact that we're able to be balance sheet light, so to speak, um, we can scale up far more quickly than any of our competitors can. Um, and I think one other differentiating factor that I think is cool about Hedge is we're going to create a feature that will allow anyone in the United States to make an offer on any house in the United States. So the idea is this. Imagine you're walking down a street in your neighborhood. You see a house you really like. You take a picture of it. We pull up the address. You make an offer up to 5% of the home, how much you'd be willing to pay for that. And in about two to three weeks, we'll get you a response from the homeowner saying it's a deal or it's not a deal or a counter, whatever it may be. But the idea is we really want to create a, an, a, kind of an explosive atmosphere for real estate investing where it will take off the way it should. All right, two questions here. Number one, how do I pay hedge back? We didn't talk about that. How, how do I pay hedge back? And number two, if hedge is just turning around and, like you said, making a marketplace and selling these shares to investors, how does hedge even profit? Because I'm a business-minded guy. I'm also an entrepreneur, and I have that mindset. And so when Michael approached me at first, that was my question. That's what was what was weird to me. I was trying to figure out how there's enough room for a hedge to even profit. So I'd like to know um, how homeowners can pay hedge back and how hedge benefits in between these two parties, the homeowner and the investor. Great. So – to be very clear on one thing, homeowners don't pay hedge a single cent until they've sold their home. And I want to be very clear about that because that's, that is, I think, the single biggest distinguishing factor between this and a mortgage. There are no monthly payments. You cannot be delinquent on a payment to hedge because there's no expectation of such. Rather, we invest in, we are kind of, we're a co-investor really with the homeowner in their house. And so when they sell, and if they sell at a profit, we'll make a profit. When they sell, and if they sell at a loss, you know, the investors may make a loss. Um, and then in terms of, you know, how does hedge make money? Well, there are kind of a few different ways we do this. So, and, and it kind of describes through the, the, what the journey would be for the average seller or homeowner coming to hedge. So you come to hedge. And you say, okay, I want to sell, I want to sell, I'll use the $100,000 house example. I want to sell 5% uh, of $100,000 house or 4%, you know, I want, sorry, I want to get, you know, $5,000 out of my house, right? And so then I would say, oh, Hedge will say, okay, we'll give you $5,000, right? But we're going to take, we're going to, or we'll give you $4,000, but we're going to take 5% of that. Sorry, I botched that one. Um, we, uh, we'll give you $4,000, but we're going to take 5% of the house. So right there, there's a bit of a spread that Hedge makes because we're giving you the money instantly. And by the same token that you would have to pay an interest rate on a loan, you're giving up a bit of the equity in your home essentially as, a, as an interest payment, if you will. 
But again, it's not a cash interest payment. And that's, that's an important point to bring home. Um, it's an interest payment in the form of the equity in the house. Um, and you won't even pay it if it goes down. The, the second is, um, is in the event that that deal isn't something a homeowner wants, I say to a homeowner, okay, we want to buy 5% of your house for $4,000. And they say, no, actually, I, I don't want to do that. Well, they can list their home directly on hedge. And in that case, we would take a, fee, a transaction fee similar to a broker's fee. Um, and that would be a way in which we'd make money. So, you know, anytime a home is sold on hedge, um, you know, we would make money as kind of, you know, call it 6% similar to what a broker would. Yeah, and if, you, if you're smart with the money that you receive from hedge by selling a portion, you can more than make up for the equity that you give up if you really think about it. If you crunch the numbers, uh, if you're smart with it, if you're adding to the value of your house or if you even are able to put it into another property or invest back into hedge, you know, so it, it depends on what you do with it. But I would say if you're smart with the money, it's, it's, it's going to make sense. And um, one thing that just popped in my head that I want to ask you about, um, because there's no yet, there's no stock market for houses. So if you're going to buy a percentage of my home, how do you know what the value of the home is? Do you send an appraiser out? And if so, uh, does the homeowner have to pay for the appraisal? Or um, talk about how you, you determine the value of the homes that Hedge is going to invest in. So hedge pays for the appraisal. Um, we'll pay for the appraisal uh, w in the event that we feel we need an appraisal. Now, there's been an interesting trend in real estate lately known as I-buying, which I'm sure, I'm sure you're familiar with, but it's kind of the idea that there are companies out there that will make you an instant offer on your house. You have to, it's the whole house. You have to, you'd have to move out of the house, but they'll make you an instant offer on your house, and, and they do this for, for you know thousands of homes throughout a whole bunch of states. And that we view actually as the most effective way to figure out the value of the house because since it's a literal offer on the house, that is the market value as we see it, right? And so in other words, if, you know, if I, if Carson, you know, if you're living in a, in a $500,000 house and, um, and, you know, uh, an I buyer is willing to buy that for $510,000, well, $510,000 is the value of that home. And so we kind of view it the same way, which is in states where there are iBuyers, and there are many, and it's, a, it's kind of a growing business, candidly, we'll just be using their underwriting criteria as a way of pricing the homes. That'll be how we value it. It's a way for us to value it incredibly efficiently. It it is literally the market value because it's an offer on that house. Um, and it, it, it is a lot, you know, it, does, it benefits our unit economics significantly. Not to mention it's less burdensome for homeowners um, because all they need to do is, all, all we would need to do is type in their address and there's the valuation, no appraisals, nothing else. Makes sense. Pretty cool. Yeah. So all value really is in any industry, what value is, my definition of value is what someone is willing to pay for that thing is the value of it. And, um, you know, if, if I'm selling Snickers bars, 
and I'm able to sell my Snickers bars for $5 per bar, the value of my Snickers bars are $5. So it goes with anything in any industry. Value equals the amount of money that someone will pay for a certain thing. So what he's saying is if there's people that are willing to pay $300,000 for your house, that is what the value of your house is. And that is why as real estate agents, whenever we run comps on houses, we look at what has sold in the last six months and we look at the homes that have similar bed and bath count, similar square footage, similar condition, whether it's backed by um, a major road, etc. We want to find almost the equivalent house. That's the goal. It never really happens unless you're in a subdivision with the same exact houses that were built in the same year, etc. But if I can find as close to uh, the same house as possible and it sold two months ago, that's the perfect comp because I can see what someone paid for it. Now I know that likely that's what the market is. That's what someone will pay for it now unless there's a huge crash etc but i don't see that happening again like it did in 2008 because that was back when people could get a loan anyone could get a loan and there was no major qualifications i could go to the bank and say hey i want to buy real estate and they'd give me money for it and so that back then that was kind of irresponsible lending and we're past that now we've got regulations more regulations i should say and people are smart with their money investors know oh i need cash flow not just speculation plays because if i'm just buying an asset that doesn't cash flow and the market crashes well now i'm screwed um, which leads me to another point. What's being left out if I'm an investor that's investing in hedge is that I have no cash flow. However, if you hold for long enough in just about any market, if you're able to keep your money in hedge, you're going to make significant returns. So talk about cash flow because what I'm assuming is if I'm a homeowner, if I'm an investor, let's say, I'm an investor that invests in physical real estate, and I want to sell you a portion of my rental property, I do not owe you a portion of my rent, I think. So I just want to ask you. And um, if I'm an investor, that's the difference between investing in hedge and investing in real property because I don't get cash flow. However, I believe uh, one point, and I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but I think one point you might make is, well, you can't really invest in certain markets, in s multiple different markets that you have good um, ideas of solid appreciation, and you might even just make more in appreciation by putting your money in um, Nashville, Denver, Tampa, etc., than you would buying in one of those markets and you and um you know um and profiting off the cash flow. Let's talk a little bit about cash flow. Anything you want to talk about related to cash flow? Because I think that's one question that people are going to have. Definitely, yeah. So I think you know one one thing I'd say on on cash flow is a somewhat somewhat of a mindset shift that I think will have will have to occur in or will occur in the real estate space as it has in in corporate finance which is you know I I'm a I'm a shareholder of Apple right but they don't pay me any dividends and I'm happy to be doing that because I know that the underlying equity in the company is going to go up I believe that's going to be the case so dividend or no dividend I'm happy to do it 
Um, I think in terms of, of why we aren't doing that for Hedge, what, you know, we made a very conscious decision that, that Hedge is not going to be redistributing yield to all of its investors. Few reasons for this. So for one, it angles particularly towards rental properties. And I think that there is a bit of a problem in that sense with, you know, a lot of times there are enormous management fees an overhead that has to go into uh, that actually has to go into ke keeping and maintaining the property. So it's not as if the yield would be that great anyway. Um, but secondly, I actually I'd make an argument that, you know, I think a home if you have two homes over ten years, one of it is one of the homes is professionally managed, and has a new renter in every year, and one of the homes is owned by a homeowner. And it's the same homeowner living in it for the whole 10 years. Which of those two houses do we think will come out in better shape at the end of the 10 years? My suspicion is actually that it's going to be the house where the homeowner was living there. So my logic is, why on earth would, we, why on earth would I ask investors to be paying management fees for things that, you know, for appreciation that they could realize more cheaply and they could actually see more appreciation um, if the if they're just dealing with a home that is owned outright, and I think the third part is for, for people that do own rental properties, it's very advantageous that we aren't taking any of the the yield or rent that they're getting, and we do this for two reasons. One, we want to offer investors something that is solely a reflection of the property uh, of the property at hand, right? We we don't want it to be based off of you know, did so-and-so pay their rent two months ago, and is that going to affect the value? We want it to be a bet on real estate and on the property in particular. And so it's, it's very harmonious, this notion that, you know, if a renter owns 100 properties, we could buy 5% of, of each of those 100 properties, sell them, and then that renter actually now has the same cash flow and less underlying exposure plus cash from those acquisitions or from the sale of 5% equity that he can then put towards another property that generates more, more income. And so in, in kind of, in most ways you cut it, there are, you know, it benefits, you know, I mean, I think the truth is liquid markets benefit everyone in the market. A market with greater liquidity is going to be a market that's more efficient. It's going to be a market that benefits the players within that market far better. And uh, speaking of liquidity, I want to talk about for the people who are into maybe crypto investing or NFTs, which is a new, a new thing emerging that I think is going to be the future. I've heard of people, and uh, for for the people who don't know what NFTs are, I think it's non fungible tokens, something like that. Um, Michael's going to give his uh, definition of what an NFT is and how it's used, but I've heard of NFTs being um, considered the next internet. Like the internet in 2000 is what NFTs are going to become um, in the next maybe few years or so. And I've heard of people saying that the way you can think about it is say, I forget when Star Wars came out, but say Star Wars is in the movie theaters for the first time and I buy my ticket to the movie theaters, but it's an NFT. And it's the first Star Wars movie ever. And then 40 years later, 30 years later, whatever it is, 
I have that ticket in NFT form in my, I don't know, crypto wallet, whatever it is, the value of that NFT is going to be significant because Star Wars is one of the... I, I've never really gotten into Star Wars, but it is one of the most monumental movie series ever. So if I have one of the first tickets ever sold of Star Wars, the value attached to that NFT, that ticket, is going to be monumental. So, and the way I understand it is the blockchain, which is a platform where you can track and sort of um, validate that someone owns a, a particular thing, that's what creates the value because you can just screenshot a picture of a, a cartoon animal that's an NFT and you can say, well, I also have the NFT, but the thing that actually makes it valuable is that it's one of a kind and you can tell that it's one of a kind by checking the blockchain. That's the way I understand it. Let me know if I'm wrong. Let me know if you have anything to add to that. Honestly, I, I don't know much to add to that. I think that was a perfect that was a, that was a perfect explanation. Yeah, no, that was a great explanation. You know, it's kind of like um, it's kind of like in the same way that every dollar, physical dollar you see, has a has a barcode on you know has a string of numbers on it that is how that dollar is identified. Um, and so imagine if you know that same level of identification protocol could be applied to things online. Um, you know, that same sort of like irreversible number that's etched on each dollar, right, can be applied online. It would be hard to duplicate things online. And once you can't duplicate things, once once something is online, you can't duplicate it. Well, you have an, you have an original thing, an original work of art, an original picture, whatever it may be. Um, and that's, that's kind of my understanding um, of that. And I think, I think the, you know, there's a similarity in that, you know, th there is an interesting use case for the blockchain in, in Hedge in that, you know, I think by the same token that we want to make sure transactions aren't being repeated, we want to make sure that every, every and, and this is of paramount importance, we want to make sure that every homeowner and investor knows exactly how much they own in each house and we want to keep track of that. And now, Imagine you get to a place where we have thousands, millions of people trading on our platform daily. Well, it would be hard to keep track of. And the blockchain is something that, that we're very actively exploring as a means of kind of keeping track of, you know, the management of, of who owns what equity. Now, uh, one more question here, because you just, you know, um, gave me a thought. If I own a percentage of whatever home and whatever market or I have a portfolio where I've invested in maybe thousands of homes at $100 a piece, whatever it is, how in the world are you able to determine the value of my portfolio? Would you not have to do an appraisal on each house every few months or is it the same deal with the iBuyers? How are you able to keep track of that many homes and that many markets? And how am I going to, to know the actual value or is it based on averages? So answer that question for me. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so the idea is before any house comes on, you know, we, we will have a process to value every home that comes on to hedge. Um, 
And the index will exist, or sort of the collection of homes, if you will, the basket of homes, will exist only among homes where we have already determined their value. And so the way we would do it is we would essentially assign, there would be, you know, we would break it down into shares. Um, and then we would take kind of almost slivers of the, the shares, package them together, and then we would produce something that your $50 is actually representing, a, 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 I guess, 150 cent shares in homes. So like really, really small shares, but $100 is still giving you exposure to, to 100 homes. That's, that's the premise of how we can get to sort of what, what we're calling indexes at the moment. Um, so there'll be an index for Nashville. There'll be an index for Los Angeles, an index for Columbus, Ohio, an index for New Orleans. Um, and the idea is that once we create these indexes, we will give the ability for investors to make bets on a citywide basis, but also for people to make bets on an individual home by home basis. And sort of that's, that's the important kind of classification that, that I really want to drive home. Makes sense. I think that was all of the questions that I had about Hedge. But if anyone has any other questions, if they want to know more about Hedge, where can they find you? Is there a website? Uh, can they email you? How do they find out more? And who can they talk to? Um, just uh, kind of plug yourself a little bit here. Sure thing. Um, so yeah, they uh, you can reach me at michael at hedge.homes um, or you could go onto our website, hedge.homes. That's literally all you need to type in, hedge.homes. And, and there will be information on the website about what we do, um, but also, and most importantly, there'll be a, an ability for you to, to put in your email address and then we'll, we'll be able to reach out to you. Um, and the way that website works is, you know, if you are a, a homeowner interested in selling your house, you go onto the web, a piece of your house, you go onto the website, you type in your email, your address, how much money you want to get out of the house. And then within a few days, we'll respond with an offer to you, um, commensurate with, with, uh, the equity in the house. Sounds good. Well, thank you, Michael. I appreciate you coming all the way from New York. Carson, thank you for having me. Yes, sir. And um, that's pretty much it for the podcast. Episode two 